Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 66th episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. I'm your host of this disaster of a board gaming podcast, SBJ, and with me today, I have Alan. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Uh, Random thing about me, number, I think it's 15. I grew a beard over the holiday and discovered I have a great amount of gray in it. It looks good. Oh, thanks, man. Good looking beard. It likes you. Good, good. Uh, And we don't have Sean with us today, but we do have, unfortunately, we do have Stephen Avery with us. Yes! And you totally didn't (laughs) say the episode number right. You're supposed to say 66. Oh, my fault. My fault. (laughs) Sometimes I drop (laughs) the ball. 66. (laughs) Sometimes I drop the ball as a host. We have, uh, this is a podcast about board games tabletop games games you can play on and underneath your table uh let me just lay out the the show that we have for you guys alan is going to start us off in a second here with the final card from the necroboomicon expansion since you guys liked the the game pitch concept that we did five or six episodes back i'm going to pitch another game but uh instead of uh, Alan and Sean will have Alan and Steven go ahead and try to come up with some kind of concept around that pitch. Uh, and then we're going to do our table talk, which is just what we've been playing. Uh, spoiler, I haven't been playing anything, but I'm sure uh, Alan can fill that void very easily with a long laundry list of games he's been playing. Is oh, this yeah. like Dark Tank? Is this like Shark Tank? Are yeah. you going to find us? That's good. Awesome. That's, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it's kind of like Shark Tank. I'll give you... Uh, the difference, though, is I only have some of the pitch, and I'm hoping that you guys fill it in to make it a- an actual game that people might want to play. That's Well, I-, I hope you already have a whole list of snide remarks to make. Like, <laughs> 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 oh, you call that a game? That's the best you can do? <laughs> we'll see if we can get there. Uh, uh, Alan, why don't you start us off? Give us a, give, what is this final card that people can experience? Oh, yes. Necroboomicon, the final card. Well, we've talked about all of them except the last one, and I think we saved the best for last, in my humble opinion, because this card is a crazy card. It is the Seeker, and the Seeker is similar to, in some ways, to the Ambassador. You know, the Ambassador from the base game it doesn't count as a player within the game and is just outside and can freely walk between rooms well the seeker has that ability as well freely walks between rooms it isn't counted as a player when it comes to hostages or anything in fact the seeker is playing a radically different game the seeker can win the game instantly for the seeker and the seeker alone how does the seeker do that by simply seeing anybody's card whether it's part of the color whatever but as soon as they see enough that they can identify the card and they say aha you have a red team card or aha, you are the blue spy or president. As soon as they can see your card and they can basically prove it, then they win right there and then. And this forces everybody to be very careful with their cards, making sure no one accidentally oversees it, and especially the seeker, because if the seeker sees it, game's over. And this works crazy. It was amazing at BGGCon. We were playing with a whole group of people, and I introduced the Seeker, and everyone said, whoa, because of how intense it was. And 
everyone wanted to be the seeker because it just means sneaking around and running around and like crawling on the floor and trying to look up at people's cards and doing whatever it takes. And there was someone just across the room that was haphazardly had their card out before them, not against their chest or in their pocket or anything. And the seeker was just coming right towards this guy. And everyone started screaming, hide your card, hide your card, hide your card. He wasn't responding. Hide your card. Put your card against your chest. Put what do you dude? What do you and seriously, they had a solid seven seconds of screaming at this guy as the seeker was coming right towards him. And this person had this confused face. What? What? Why? And sure enough, the seeker says, oh, regular red team member. Boom. Game over. That is the seeker. I don't know. That sounds pretty intense. I don't think I can handle that. <laughs> do you think you I, can I just, handle being the seeker? Or? I, would just, I would just sit there and pee my pants, I think. It would just be <laughs> too hard. I mean, like, too much. It's too much. Why do you Why do you always have to push the limit, Alan? Why do you do that to people? Well, you know, I mean, a... you took a fun game, and now you made it just a little too intense. That's the whole point of Necroboomicon. We just want to add two rooms and a boom on hard mode. So don't play it with anyone that you don't feel comfortable being intense with. Yeah. <laughs> Is it <laughs> that they have to they have to know your entire role? They just can't say red team or blue team. They would have to say, oh, you're Abraham or oh, you're uh, red bouncer. They could just see your team and say red team, blue team, which leads to the actual question of, well, why wouldn't they just guess and lie and make believe? Well, first of all, that's integrity. You can lie or cheat in any game like Battleship. You can peek over it. So you want to play with someone that wouldn't cheat like that. But they could also be wrong if they try to cheat. They could be using misinformation. But that's the idea is they have to make sure that they see some identifiable part of the card. Like the back. Yeah, not the back of the card. Good. Very good point. Steve, Steven, what what do you like to be called? Steve, Steven, Fuckface, Casanova. What's your favorite yeah. nickname? I don't know. That you hit the nail on the head, Fuckface Casanova. It's that's it's a, <laughs> it's a little wordy, but it kind of is very very. That's your preferred nickname. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, did that answer your question, question SBJ? Yeah, yeah. I, w- I was going to follow up uh, with a question of like, how much were these cards play tested? But clearly, in the situation you just laid out, it was it was introduced in a group of people who have never played with it before, and it sounded like it went over very well. Well, yeah, it's it depends on the group. Playing at conventions doesn't work as well as playing it at home. We wanted to make the first expansion more home friendly than big con friendly so that people could get just as much out of it even if you just had uh six seven eight players etc so increasing that intensity and so at the convention it does make it almost frustrating or impossible because you have to really trust and count on the strangers around you so we would only introduce it and we did only introduce it towards the end of the evening and it it goes over depending on the group depends on how well it goes over it went over i would say adequately at bgg con they appreciated how intense it was and i think players could see wow this is really hard and i probably prefer playing it with my close group of friends but when we play tested it at xoxo fest it was the same like 20 people playing for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and they loved it and couldn't get enough and we kept on playing and it was 
It was pretty intense. So it all depends on the group. And I think that can be said for almost any group of cards in Two Rooms and a Boom. There's some cards that people love and there's some cards that people won't actually love. But all right. All right. Is there is there a date? I ask this. I ask this every episode. But is there a date on the Kickstarter yet? The date is to be revealed. So no, (laughs) there's no date. There's there's no date. If you really want to know behind the curtain, it's a matter of finishing up the edits on the video and also hearing back from some choice reviewers to see if they've played because we want to have some people besides us saying the game's good game's good so hopefully sure. some reviewers have had a chance totally. to say so something. You, you may have already talked about this on another podcast but what else what's the kickstarter composed of you've you've got this expansion of cards and That's right. are you doing like Boom, a, done no add-ons or anything like that or, i mean what are your can you reveal your stretch goals or is that all secret information the stretch goals are relatively secret and up in the air and that's just basically you know, me saying well we haven't really thought of all of them yet but realistically it's just a foil pack of nine plastic cards and we definitely have one stretch goal that we have in mind that we're really excited to do but we will be selling it with two rooms and a boom so you can combo it if you want to Uh, And we're pretty excited that we have one pledge level that we'll reveal later on that I hope gets players excited. So there's a little twist and turn. So really vague. Basically, I'm just wasting your time saying you'll have to see. You'll have to see. (laughs) And that's a good mix of us trying to be vague and leave some prizes and also giving us room to change our mind. Like, this is too crazy, Sean. Let's let's not do that. So. That's why it's one of those stretch goals with a a date with that dreamy SBJ. Let me just, I just, cause I'm all over that. (laughs) Uh, that's (laughs) totally up to SBJ, but that would be amazing. I mean, come on, SBJ, take one for the team. If you're going to value me out in Kickstarter form, I'd, I'd have to at least see (laughs) how much I'm, I'm worth. Right. Yeah. Good point. I'd say that's at least worth like a $30 stretch goal. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. <laughs> I'd agree That's with dumb. that. Uh, let's get to the dinner of the episode. Alan gave us a little appetizer. Let's get to the dinner, which is our topic. Excuse me, Sam. Do you have the time? But of course, it be topic time. Of the episode, which is me pitching uh, another game concept on the show, and then Alan telling me that it's impossible and that it doesn't work and it wouldn't be fun. Actually, I don't know if you said that last time, but I think you I were pretty... I didn't say anything or close to that, but if you want me to say that, I will. No, if if I do say that, I, it would come from the heart. So... <laughs> and if he does it, you should say it in kind of a mad scientist, it can't be done! Kind of voice. Right. right? So, like, you know, really intense. I'll sell it. I will yeah, be exactly. as intense as possible. Yeah, I would I would argue that Sean really expanded more on it last time than than you did, Alan. I just think you were a little stumped. Oh, well, there we go. Okay. Well, not, not to each their not, own, SBJ. Not, not that that's bad. Can't wait to hear this game idea, <laughs> SBJ. <laughs> not that that's bad. Uh, okay, so the <laughs> <laughs> the concept of this game, uh, like I said, I only have concepts, so... You guys fill in the blank or tell me what what it sounds like. But imagine uh, an arena 
and there are 20 participants that need to fight, and they enter in one at a time into the arena. And at the end of the game, one of those participants is the winner. So this would lead in situations where you start off with two people uh, in the arena, and uh, over a course of time, a new entrant would enter in. It's possible that um, one of the those entrants could be eliminated, or two could be eliminated at a time, or all three could be eliminated at the time. But what it comes down to is one person survives out of the 20. And I see that as, well, the game is always going to be different because you shuffle those 20 people and they enter randomly every time. And then I also see it as uh, the game can be unpredictable in the situation where I just said where multiple people could be in the arena or multiple people could be eliminated at once uh, from the arena but I don't know where to really go from there. I mean, in my mind, I was thinking, well, that kind of sounds like like almost like Roman gladiators, right? Where you have like a gladiator standing there and then they send out an enemy that gl- that gladiator kills that person. And then maybe they send out like a lion and the gladiator kills the lion and then they send out like two bears. But instead, it's always like this. And in this concept, it's always, well, there's 20 of you. And if you're luck, if you're if you're unfortunate, you start first, and now you have to fight through the other nineteen. But if you got a good spot and you come out at twenty, uh, you're in the best position because you only have what 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 has been left over. But now this comes down to the: should I stop there, or should I expand a little more? I mean, of course, we have questions. Uh, I, the first thing that came to my mind was definitely Gladiator Arena. What was the first thing that came to your mind there? Uh, first thing that came to my mind. Is that you need a a bitch ass great name like Super Slaughter Deathmatch? Because <laughs> <laughs> because I mean that's what you're talking about right there is like killing lots of guys. So you need something that's gonna really sell that that uh, you know. But yeah, actually, I mean, I think actually you have a, a viable game idea, but there's got to be more than just the combat going on. You well, the other that. question is, what inspired it? Because last time you talked about the episode of The Simpsons. So what inspired this one? Uh, I don't want to reveal that yet because I felt like people either tied too much to that or didn't tie to it at all. Gotcha. So I don't, I don't want to reveal that part yet. Uh, but what I will say is I did kind of build... So my... Initial, I, I built a little prototype as, as you. This is this is way farther than I took the. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You actually built a prototype for this game? I did. Yes. Oh my goodness! This is awesome. Uh it, it was it was terrible. So I <laughs> I played it with uh three or four people, right? So my my goal, at least in making this work, right? Because if you have twenty participants coming down and only one of them can win that doesn't make sense unless you had like 20 people around the table and each person was a participant my concept was okay what if we were in the audience watching these gladiators fight each other and we bet on which gladiator we think is going to actually make it to the end and so we can do that by either cheering that person that is in the arena or booing that person and that would help them with the outcome of the fight yeah that's what i was going to bring up is that you can you can have a cool death match and you can even make it so that everybody has cool powers and some powers are better against 
eat, you know, different uh, combatants. But ultimately, you need something else going on in the game besides just fighting, whether it's betting on the outcome or managing a stable of uh, gladiators or, you know, some other intrigue that's going on in the game where where you're able to uh, manipulate other people's hands or, or their, their, you know, their fighters outside the combat. So it's got to be have more than one layer of, of game there, I think. Yeah, I think the basic thing that is the second question, because you have the concept. Second question is, do you have a desire for the main mechanic as far as is this going to be bidding? Is it going to be drafting? Is it going to be um, what? What is it going to be dice rolling? Is it is just this a miniatures combat thing? Exactly. Yeah, no, I don't think it's miniatures. I think you guys kind of hit the nail on the head of like the combat itself is almost automated where the more so the game is being in the audience and trying to influence people, fighters you would want to win. And a game I really liked that I, I don't know if we've talked about on the show before. And so that's where the bidding came in of like, oh, if I can, you know, put more weight behind this fighter, that would pretty much be, be me bidding or gambling that they're going to go farther in said arena. But a game I kind of liked uh, in concept, but didn't really pan out when I've played it with other people is Camel Up. I think the concept of Camel Up is so good of like, you have these racing camels and one of them has to get to the finish line, but you're actually not controlling a camel. You're not, you're not a camel in the race. You're not a monopoly piece that you roll a dice and you move it. Uh, you're just kind of betting on camels. And I thought that was really interesting, but everyone I've introduced to camel up they just didn't seem like that thrilled with it even though on paper it sounds like it would be really fun like everyone likes to you know gamble right that's why people roll dice in games or or they just like rolling dice (laughs) (laughs) well as far as betting games go i do enjoy camel up my favorite betting game by far is cheating mages and i also really love magical athlete both of which i thought of as soon as we started talking about betting games. Yeah, and I like Cheaty you- Mages a lot, too. And that's also another game where the fighters are fighting, but they're kind of doing that in the background. You're just influencing that. See, and I, Magical Athletes in my top 10 games. I love that game because it's I love... It's so good! So it's, good! It's, <laughs> it's great how the powers interact. And if you can bring that to an arena combat game, you know, and still keep it light and fast and fun... I think that would be pretty successful. What was that game called? You both like Magical, raved about it. Magical Athlete. It's four to five players. The designer is Takashi Ishida. And wow. Off the top yeah. of your head. It's pretty amazing. I know. It's pretty amazing. It's like I don't even have a computer in front of me with Board Game Geek. And I didn't look at <laughs> Magical Athlete. Uh, it's published by Z-Man Games and produced in 2002. But... It has a whole bunch of athletes. I would say I'm going this one. I actually am doing off of memory. I want to say 20 athletes and five race at a time. So there's four races all in all, if I remember correctly. And you basically bid on who you think is going to win. And each of them have abilities. One will say if you're in last place and you move up to someone, then 
you get to scoot them back or something like that. Do, do you, can you kind of think of any abilities that you really liked, Steven? Yeah. Um, so I play that game a lot and I think there's like 30, maybe 30 guys closer to 30, but okay. Um, my favorite, uh, character in the whole game is the siren. The siren always makes people move one space towards her and she's not, that power is not that amazing, except what happens is she's a catalyst. She makes all these other pieces interact more often. The old domino effect. Yeah, exactly. Because she pulls people in. So you have all these other uh, conditional powers. And it'll be like, okay, Cupid's power is he can move five spaces forward if both a male and a female land on the same space. Right. Um, another person's power is like the merchant. He can swap places on the board instead of moving. He can say, okay, well, I'm, I'm on space 15 and you're on space five where I was on five. Now, you know, you just swaps uh, places. So, um, when the siren is out, you have all these great powers that start interacting and they interact. (laughs) You get this kind of, like you said, a domino effect, you get this chain reaction of powers you know, like, oh, well, she made me move back, which triggers my power, which triggers your power. And it's just silly. It's silly, crazy fun. You know? And it's super simple, SBJ. It's just literally a track that has a start and a finish. And there's 30 spaces on it and a six sided die. So you take the turn of an athlete that you're representing. You roll the die and they move that many spaces and based upon their ability, things happen. It's so simple, but you just bet on who you think's going to win. So good. Yeah, but the fun is seeing how they interact. Can you change that bet, or that that's your person for the whole race? No, so uh, the actual game is you get to draft the uh, athletes to begin with. You have a, it's, it's one of those uh, drafts where there's a track, and uh, you know they're more expensive towards the end of the track, so you can spend your currency and, and um, pick up a more expensive athlete, but then you might be stuck buying zeros and ones for the rest of the athletes. Right. But as one gets sold, it slides down the track. And then after everybody drafts the, uh, the athletes, that money goes away. You don't have that anymore. And then the, each race you get money for first place and for second place and it scales. So like in the first race you get, um, three for first place and one for the second place. And then the second is four and two and the third is four and two. And then the fifth is five and three. We call that a catch up mechanism in the designing biz. <laughs> yeah, this game this, I mean, a lot of times you, you're, you know, even like halfway through the game, you're not going to win, uh. but it's just so fun and crazy that it's, it's, it's just fun to play anyways. You know, you're like, you know, just yeah. to see what happens. Yeah. So y- you submit a racer for each of the four races in hopes that your racer wins, but you actually bet on who, which racer you won. It's oh, super simple, super cool. But that's one of the games I thought of when you described your idea. When I was thinking of the concept and making it, I wasn't trying. I- I've said this before with, with, with the first game. Like, I don't necessarily want to be the person that goes, oh, it's just camel up, but better, right? So <laughs> I wasn't looking at other games but then when i made it and i was like okay in practice actually like moving these little pieces of paper around or cubes or whatever i was using at the time in practice like the core of the game is really the audience watching the 
the fight happened. It's not necessarily the focus on the fight. And to me, that seems like you're you're betting or you're gambling on the the fighters, not necessarily controlling the fighters. And then that's when I was like, okay, well, what gambling? Like there has to be because sorry, I'm like I'm jumping in a million places. But when I talk to you guys about that first concept you said oh this is a kingmaker game and these are other kingmaker games so i was like okay well this seems what i just made seems like a gambling game so what are other gambling games and cheaty mages is definitely one uh which i really like and camel up is one and apparently this this marathon magical marathon racer game is one magical athlete yeah man get it right Uh, but I have ideas to take it away from a betting game. But yeah, I, don't... I was going to say, too, that you, you, I totally agree with Alan. Does it have to be a betting game? Or that could just be part of it, right? It doesn't have to. Like, is Spartacus, Spartacus, don't you have wagering on your guys? But that's not the entire game. No, there's a whole bunch to Spartacus. You basically are an owner of, uh, what do they call them, fraternities of fighters? It's pretty amazing and intense as far as resource management and training regimes and all that stuff. I haven't played it. I've just heard about it, so I won't be able to give a good description of Spartacus. Uh, I've played, but it's been a long time ago. But you're absolutely right. There's a lot. That's just one aspect of it, the the money part, you know, that but there's a lot of other stuff. You're winning purses for fighting. You're buying, uh, you know, fighters. You're buying concubines and all this kind of stuff. And it's you, you, like you said, it's you're there's multiple layers on that. And the same thing can be happened with your, your game. You can have a fighting game that is, in essence, fairly simple. You know, definitely something to mix up the fighters and keep them uh, seem very different from each other. But then you could go in a lot of other directions on top of that. I have my idea. You want to hear my pitch? Yeah. SBJ? Pitch, pitch away. Okay. So this is basically a similar premise to Magical Athlete in that... You draft your gladiators, but instead of running, they're going to go ahead and fight. Each person drafts about four gladiators, whatever leads up to the number of 20. So divide that amongst the players so you have the right count. And there's some mechanic to determine which one goes first. Perhaps you draft in order like, all right, my first hero is going to be this one. My second hero is going to be this one, etc. And the first hero you send in nets you more points because they're going earlier in and will have to fight longer and longer. The later you send in a gladiator, the fewer points it's going to be worth, fewer glory, if you will, because they don't have to fight as much or as hard. So if your first gladiator enters and makes it all the way and is the last gladiator standing after defeating 19 other gladiators, bam, you won that game hard. So each gladiator has its own special ability, similar to Magical Athlete. How would the combat work? My favorite combat it has always been the HeroScape, Hero Quest, Dice versus Shields, because it has that random factor, but it has that visualization where you're not doing any math except comparative numbers. Like, oh, I got three, I got three swords. How many shields did you get? Like, oh, I only got two. Boom, one damage, etc. So you're going on, but maybe they have different abilities where one hero has more defense, another hero has more attack, or every time this this gladiator takes damage, they increase their attack. So I think there's so many combinations that you can do when you include movement and whatever. And I, I would have the board be an arena and there's different spaces and maybe there's a penalty for every round that you don't 
attack someone or you're not engaging because the crowd's booing. But in this case, you are the four gladiators. So maybe you are the owner of the four gladiators. But instead of betting on who you think will win, you want your gladiators to win. And the ideal situation is your four gladiators are the last four and then they just battle it out amongst themselves. So that's what I have roughly in my mind because I love Magical Athlete and I don't see that many other places where you're bidding on these crazy heroes that have unique abilities and then watching them just go to town on each other. But that's my initial pitch, my initial thought. Now, am I supposed to come up with a counter pitch? Are we like <laughs> against each other here? No, 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 not not necessarily against each other. I will counter Alan's argument. So I like, I like the the I love the picking the people at the end at, at the beginning, right? The draft because if there's twenty participants and there's four players, each of you have five gladiators that you want to make it to the end. So it's okay if four of them die as long as one makes them makes it to the end. The problem is if you start with two and every round somebody's coming in, whether or not the two have killed each other or not, uh, what happens when, you know, the first two gladiators that enter are both your gladiators? Well, I would think there'd be a mechanic that that wouldn't happen where you go round robin and you each throw in a gladiator. And if they're still alive by the time a third gladiator enters, no problem. And it just goes, everyone just keeps on throwing their gladiator every round that goes around until all gladiators are in. Uh, and that, I mean, that's the easy solution that I initially imagine. All right, I got a counter pitch for you. Okay. I love, I love this counter pitch stuff. Cause we are the gladiators. Is this, is this a meta <laughs> thing, SBJ? Steve and I are in a, an arena fighting against That's each right. other. Let's do this. What do you have for me, I, Avery? I'll take you down, Graybeard. That's my that's my <laughs> talk. All right. So, anyways, my my counter pitch is that um, all right. So everybody has a handful of gladiators, but they don't really own. You don't really really own those gladiators, right? And each of the gladiators has uh, gains a certain is it certain has a certain amount of prestige for a different faction, right? So I ultimately you're let's say this is like a battle for the galaxy, right? And there's four different factions, and you you um are allied with one or possibly two of them, right? So you might score big points for one faction and maybe medium points for another, right? So ultimately you're trying to, to increase these faction tracks. So whenever a, a gladiator fights, uh they increase the fact, you know, the winner increases the faction by by a little bit. So you have the fighting part with like with all the superpowers and crazy stuff that's going on, but you also have like a handful of cards that let you alter the combat and um, and do subversive things uh, on each other, right? So you, um, for instance, you could play a card on another person to force them to put forward a particular fighter that round or whatever so that so that you it's kind of like the betting thing too but you're but the the points are tied to the gladiators does that make sense yeah and so you're you're it's more like it's more like subversion like you don't really know who who initially you don't know whose faction people belong to or who they're trying to support or advance Maybe it's just three factions, actually, you know, to keep it not so diverse, right? But um, 
the the game is really about uh, all the little dirty tricks and manipulation that you're doing to each other to advance your own agenda. I think we can amalgamate. Is that actually a verb? I'm not. I've never used it as a verb. But I've. Anyways, we could combine our ideas where it could just be my idea. Forget your factions thing. Not to throw salt in those eyes, but <laughs> oh, my eyes. You could also have, and that would where the lions would come in, or weapons where you could throw in a trident or a net. And so these gladiators at first come in with fisticuffs, but then there is weapons located in the different arena. Oh, but wait. The pits have started opening, so now there's areas in the arena where your your gladiators can't go. But maybe your gladiator is really good at pushing another gladiator, and you can push them in to the lion's mouth or into one of these pits. Oh, man. Woo. So maybe you go round robin, and you play a gladiator, but then the next turn you play an event, and then it goes back and forth and back and forth. So your hand is not just of these gladiators, but oh, man. Getting excited about this game, SBJ. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good idea. You could have like something that, like, yeah, dirty tricks. Dirty tricks that are part of the board, but also dirty tricks that are outside the combat. You know, so decrease somebody's hand, steal a card, that kind of stuff. I'm trying to think of anything else I... Well, you haven't told us what the inspiration was for this idea yet, and you kind of hinted that you would reveal it after we fought each other in the arena of game design. How about I do that next episode and I encourage Cliffhanger. Our, I encourage our listeners to give us feedback like they did on the first game because I think they really knocked it out of the park with just thinking outside of the box of what we did last time. Yeah, I'd love some updates on those individuals that actually worked on Kingmaker and seeing how their playtesting is going. So if you wrote in previously and you've gone further with your game, I'd love to hear about it just personally. Yeah. So I, I know of a designer that has a prototype like that, and I could talk about it in general terms, or I could just keep it a big secret. Do you have a game that you want to pitch? Is this, is this what? No, it's not my game. It's, it's okay. somebody I know, somebody I know, but they, they have a kind of a, you know, something similar to what you're talking about. And I could talk about it in general terms without, you know, Wait, the game we're, them off. The game we're talking about now or the game we talked about last time? No, the game that we're talking about now, the, the arena combat. Oh, superpower. okay. No. What did you, you want, call it? What did you call it? Casanova? What was the name of the game? Cause it was awesome. <laughs> I said death slaughter match. I don't remember. I know slaughter was in there somewhere. <laughs> Ultimate. Ultimate Galactic Slaughter Fest? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, so should I keep it under wraps, or should I go ahead and divulge what I know? Hey, this is a podcast. We're all about bringing the truth to the people, so just spill all the guts that you can. All right, so I know that Richard Lanius has a prototype based off of uh, Civil War, the movie. Superheroes fighting each other, right? And... It's it's a kind of a dice allocation game, and it does have that kind of thing where you're where you're trying to uh, put your emphasis uh, either towards the registration act or against it, right? So it's like kind of like it's kind of a betting mechanism basically, where right. you're put, putting influence on, on these guys, and 
So there's all these different matchups happening at the same time. You're rolling dice, you're allocating them, and then the dice pools are getting smaller and smaller. And eventually, um, once all the dice are located, then you you take turns resolving each combat depending on what what was allocated to that to that combat. And then after all the combats are done, you you reveal what your you know what your bet was or whatever you want to call it. Your what it, what how much influence or glory did you put behind you know that that particular fighter? So you might have like suckered somebody in by not putting in a whole lot of points on somebody. Whereas throw up your weight, throw your weight on somebody else. And there's depending on the matchup, there's there's a um, you get like a kind of a better return on on which like for instance if if Ant Man defeats Iron Man then it's it's a, a big deal, right? But if Captain America defeats Iron Man, that's about an even match. So they have different kind of tiers that they're gotcha. fighting. Gotcha, that makes sense. So anyways, I, think- uh, I know he's shopping around and that that. Uh, uh, I know at least Upper Deck is looking at it for now, but I don't. I don't know uh, where it is with them. They, I'm not sure if they picked it up or if they kick it back or whatever. But you know, that- here's some random information that our listeners may not know. Richard Lanius is the designer, probably most famous for what game, Mr. Avery? Probably Arkham Horror. Arkham Horror. He did all the Arkham Horror and. He's done a keeps on doing a lot of games nowadays and Civil War in the comic books was Iron Man versus Captain America again. But it was because there was a registration act where people would have to register if they had super abilities. Whereas in the movie, wasn't it just about uh, Captain America didn't want his friend to be caught or prosecuted. Uh, no, they had the registration act in the movie, but it, but that subplot did come through really, really strongly. The whole and that was kind of the driving emotional force behind that. But yeah, um, he did make a couple uh, times. He alluded to uh, uh, you know uh, World War Two and and uh, registering people and and uh, he didn't like he didn't like the direction that that was going in. But yeah, in the movie, they kind of underplayed that part of it. It was there, but it wasn't as important. Uh, they really, really uh, played up the whole, um, you know, save Winter Soldier kind of thing. Right. Yeah, obviously, because I didn't even remember the registration part of it. Yeah, when, when, it, when they're sitting around in the in the office there, um, right after they've blown up um, – that third world country. <laughs> Whoa, hey, plot spoilers. Jeez. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways. So yeah. Yeah. I think in the comic books also, this didn't come up in the um it didn't come up in the movie, but I think in the comic books, uh it's revealed that um Stark Industries is benefiting uh from the whole military side of the registration act. So, oh, yeah. So I don't, I don't, and that that might come up in the next movie too. You know, you're not, you're not. I'm not sure because they never really resolved that whole thing. At the, you know, they kind of like we're we're broken up now. But if you really need to get in touch with me, use my phone. That kind of thing. So yeah, I'm throwing out spoilers left and right. So anybody that hasn't seen it on the movies, Netflix, uh, direct download. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> ah. Well, SBJ, there's even Richard Lanius has a game for your idea. 
Yeah, if I if I liked superheroes, I guess. You know, what? it's funny. You said that, and I hate to admit this. I'm actually with you, SBJ. I don't. I love comics, etc. And I used to be a big Marvel fan. I've switched to more of a DC. When you said, oh, it's a game with uh, Civil War, at first I thought you meant the actual war, not the comics. And once you realize the <laughs> comics, I was like, I don't want to see another game about Spider-Man fighting some other superhero. Uh, I, I know I'm probably in the minority here, but thank you for saying that, SBJ, because I thought, oh, no. Uh, you're rather- both dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd much rather have the magical athletes, where it's just these random other characters that no one has a pass to. So you just can get this whole new relationship with them. Like, Oh my goodness. I love rock rock man because he totally pushes people and has an extra dying defense. Like I could see getting such that rather than, Oh, that's iron man. He has propulsion out of his hands and he's invincible because he has a suit of impenetrable armor. Well, <laughs> oh, I do like the name Rock Rock Man. Yeah, it's not just Rock Man, it's Rock Rock Man. Rock Rock Man, yeah, that's that's good. Well, if you have any uh, thoughts on that game concept, don't feel free, don't be shy to email in podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com, just like you guys did for the, the Kingmaker game we talked about. But let's talk about games you guys have been playing, and let's wrap up this episode. So... Alan, give me the list. Oh, you know what? I, I, I'm narrowing the list because I want to talk about one of these three games and one more than any other. But Rattlebones, which mentioned uh, last episode, I believe or two episodes ago, Spank the Yeti and Dice of Crowns. Those are the three that I'm willing to discuss. And three Lay it on us, man. We want to know. <laughs> yeah, I, wanna, I don't or know. We- which one? I don't know. Yeti Spank? Spank the Yeti. Spank the Yeti. All right. You want to hear Spank the Yeti? You want me to elevator pitch this? We haven't done and, an elevator pitch. It's really fast. It sounds like spaghetti. Spank the Yeti spaghetti. Yeah. Look at that. Uh, man, when's the last time we did an elevator pitch, SBJ? Uh, I don't know. First one this year? This is definitely the first <laughs> one this year. All right. What do you guys want me to be? Oh, uh, I'll take this one. You're a escaped mental patient. No problem. That's pretty easy for me to do. Ding me, SBJ. <laughs> oh, 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 man. Do I have a game for you? It's Spank the Yeti. Yeah. Have you ever played the game Mary Fuck Kill? Well, that's the same game as Spank the Yeti. <laughs> what? I'm sorry. I can't get, get off my leg. Get off my leg! Get off my... Uh, okay. Uh, the thing is, instead of Mary Fuck Kill, you randomly draw cards. So instead of Mary Fuck Kill, it could be something else. Like, go on a date. Or wash in a bathtub. Or be on a cruise with. And then you match it up to random other people. Like pirates or celebrities. Like Donald Trump. Which I'm not sure you can call celebrity anymore but everyone plays and they bet on who the current player thinks is gonna marry fucker killer spank the yeti or something ah i'm falling apart i gotta go medication time all right that was it Ding. Woo-hoo, man that was good bravo bravo my first thoughts is it sounds like billionaire banshee except for th- two choices you have th- Three choices? 
Yeah, like I'll give you the example that's on the back. In fact, we could play it. It's one of these games we could play on the podcast. But here they are. And, and we'll do this for you, Mr. Avery. Uh, here are your choices. There's Dumpster Hump, Joust, or Eat the Dingleberries of. Which of these three options would you rather Dumpster Hump, Joust, or Eat the Dingleberries of? A coked out unicorn, a robot, a robot that just wants to feel real feelings. And the last option is Tarzan. And then, wow. yeah, how about we just to simplify it? Why don't we just do one? Which which character do you want? A coked out unicorn, a robot or Tarzan? Well, I got to say uh, a, a robot that wants to be real. That could really be hot. You know OK, so. All right. But, so now. But wait, 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 wait. Coked okay. out unicorn? Come on. Who's going to pass on that? Got to be coked out unicorn. All right. So now. Don't tell us. Lock it in your mind. Would you rather dumpster hump that coked out unicorn, joust that coked out unicorn, or eat the dingleberries of? Now you lock that in your mind, and then SBJ and I will. What do you guess, mean by joust? Like joust on or joust against? Well, that's the weird thing. There's no description, so we have to fill in the blank there. What do you think that Mr. Avery will say? Okay. So. Yeah, so um, we'll, and then we guess and we discuss it, and we can say the same one. I'm going to say you'd like to joust the coked-out unicorn because you could be on a horse with a joust, and the unicorn probably doesn't even need anyone riding it. But I can't see you dumpster-humping a coked-out unicorn or eating the dingleberries of a unicorn, although because it's a unicorn, their dingleberries might be magical. But that's my argument. What do you think, SBJ? I was going to say joust because I was under the impression that Steve Steve would be riding it and that is a magical image that I <laughs> yes. that I would want to absorb. So what was the answer? I got to say man, I totally want to joust with a coked out unicorn. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Although I did think of the same thing about the magical dingleberries. <laughs> it did occur to me exactly in my mind. And this is, the, this is the game. Then we just rotate who the judge is and what they think. And people guess what the main participant is going to guess or match rather. Blech. Simple enough. Wow. Sounds like fun. A light party game. Does know? that, does that replace billionaire billionaire Banshee for you? Or would you, do you think they're still different enough? Uh, I think they're still different enough. They're very similar. I probably wouldn't play them in the same night for sure. But Billionaire Banshee still has it for me because Billionaire Banshee has the common thread of dating. And I think that dating tends to reveal more because I don't really have a personal connection to Tarzan or dumpster humping. But in Billionaire Banshee, I always have that personal connection to a person that I'm going to be possibly having dates with, having sex with, etc. So I would go with Billionaire Banshee. I'm sorry, Spank the Yeti. Can you tell me more about Billionaire Banshee? Because I don't know that game. Are you nuts? You'd love Billionaire Banshee. Billionaire Banshee is simply this. Someone's the judge and they reveal a quirk and a perk. The perk could be something really nice. And it usually is like you're about to go on a date with a billionaire. But then the other card could be it's a Banshee. But some of the other uh, quirks are better. Like uh, always shits the bed. So would you date a billionaire that always shits the bed? And so you either have to say 
date or not date? And then everyone goes around and says, I think he'd date him because of these reasons. Or I don't think Steve would date him because blah, 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 blah. And then when it comes back to you, you reveal, would you date or would you deny? And we get a point if we're right and we don't if you're wrong. That's Billionaire Banshee. Oh, that sounds fun. That was oh, yeah. fun. I actually have it right behind me. We could play that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's kind of like Twitch TV, but we just play without anybody being able to see anything. It's all just audible. Yeah, you don't need to see anything for these games. That's why it's cool. All right. We should do a podcast like that sometime. Just (laughs) one session. We just play games, right? We totally could. We could have an episode where we just play games you can play over the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. I think that would be... Fun or not fun for the listener. <laughs> Before we wrap up, Steve, uh, Steven, have you been playing anything or anything worth mentioning at least? Yeah, uh, let's see, I've, I've played uh, two games lately that I really, really like. And I've been working on my own game, which is probably going to be coming to pod to uh, Kickstarter around March or late February. Whoa! So, I know, I know, man. I, I, I gotta say, um, <laughs> I make a lot of games and and they inevitably get hung up in publishing. I have yet to get a bunch out. So I'm excited that this is uh, something that looks like it might cross the finish line. Tada is a solid game. You should be proud of Tada. Thanks, man. I like playing it. And I, you know, I'm glad that that got out. But boy, man, I'm I'm dying for Rubber Banditos to come out. It's killing me. <laughs> so what's this game? Uh, so the game I've been working on a lot is, um, it's, it's actually two games. One's a cooperative game. And then there's a competitive game that uses the same kind of mechanisms. Cause it's mostly kind of a worker placement kind of game, but, uh, the, the, so there's a cooperative and competitive one. And then the components are interchangeable. So you're able to, they act like expansions for each other. Right. So, oh, nice. Uh, yeah. So, uh, like last May, everything Epic Games contacted me and they wanted me to, to do some development work. And I kept on doing more and more and more and they kept on liking where it was going. And after a while, I ended up making kind of baking the whole cooperative game kind of mostly on my own. And then uh, it was it was to fit their pre-existing game that they had, their competitive game. And then when we were done with a cooperative game, they 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 liked some of the elements so much that they said, you know what, let's go back and, and let's revisit the competitive game. So it's kind of evolved over time. It's probably not the same. It's not kind of the same sort of thing that if I just sat down and made my own game, it probably wouldn't have gone in that direction. But that's okay because it's a it's a it's been a neat learning experience for myself. You know, you still um, get your name on the cardboard though. It's a game by Stephen Avery. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I have done a lot of work on it. It's just, um, it's just, it's evolved as opposed to, like, normally, you know how it goes. You sit down, you've got a game idea, kind of like SPJ. What do I want to do with this game idea? And it's wide open, right? Because you don't have any any groundwork. You, you can do anything you want. And this is just the opposite. This one, I had, like, a real strict framework and then uh, started started working for that. But over time, it kind of evolved and changed. But anyways, the, the, the premise of the game is uh, it's a little bit like uh, Terminator 2. Uh, artificial intelligence uh, becomes self-aware. They try to extinguish it. It uploads itself to a satellite, 
and then it takes over all the information networks on the planet. And so it actually controls most of the military through disinformation. And it also has its own, you know, like high tech uh, robots and stuff that it activates. So the cooperative game is about you trying to keep zones from being overrun by by its minions and trying to find the shutdown codes to, to disable the satellite. And then the, the competitive version is kind of post-war. The wars, the, the Earths are a little torn up and there's still like pockets of re- resistance, but everybody's a different faction and you're, you're, it's kind of a land grab kind of thing. You're trying to take over as much as you can, but everybody has a slightly different agenda. So, like, uh, a corporation wants to reclaim old technology so they can, um, uh, you know, come out as being one of the industry leaders. Um, the the UN just wants to purge all remnants of the Dominus, uh, Dominus um, AI off the Earth. Um, the military is trying to uh, collect and reclaim all the military factions and kind of have, like, a military dictatorship. So... So that's the competitive game, and um, it's been a lot of fun that I've been working on it. So it's 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 really starting to come together. Um, at this point, it's it's kind of a, like beta playtesting, and we just have to pull together art assets. And that's the part that I don't know about. I don't know like how long it's going to take them to get this together. I know that they just like anybody else in the industry, they've got a lot going on. So it, you know, depending on what how quickly they can work, it might manifest in March. So that's that's what I've been working on, and um, do you want to hear the games I've been playing? <laughs> <laughs> do we have time for that? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'll just okay. So I'll just tell you two quick quick ones. Um, one I played was um, Conan, the new Conan game. Oh, controversial that one is. Oh, is it? Is it? I, I'm kind of out of the loop on that. I, I do know I I love the game. It was super fun. What yeah. is it controversial? The controversial is it's pretty much anti-women because it's exploitative. So it's sexist in that they made sure for the game not to be racist, but they didn't make sure that the game wasn't sexist. So all the women are scantily clad. In fact, they play the role of the flag in some missions of basically like you have to capture the flag and they're just basically objects of desire and possession. For the record, Conan's. Conan scantily clad too. <laughs> true. That's true. And that is a counter argument. And the other counter argument to that is, have you read any of the Conan? I mean, this is basically how the Conan works. It's very overly sexualized. But then the counter to that is, well, Conan was also had elements of racism where they had some tribe that was very Native American and portrayed in a very stereotypical way. So they changed that tribe so it wasn't as offensive. So people say, well, you should have stuck with your guns and just said this is true to the source or change both of them, not somewhere in between, because basically now you're making the argument that, oh, you don't want to be racist, but it's OK to be sexist. That's basically the argument and the controversy. Wow. See, I never take any of that stuff on. I mean, people read way more into, stu- into games than I just want to play a game and I don't read any right. sub- I don't read any subcontext in this. I'm a big fighter. I'm going to go kill that giant snake. <laughs> <laughs> so i have to admit it would suck playing this gaming having fun and someone say hey what are some of the games you've been enjoying lately and you say oh conan and then someone says fucking sexist like that would yeah suck. I'd, be, 
I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> no. But anyways, the game itself is a lot of fun because it's got a great mechanism of how the, uh, how the GM has to, to uh, run the monsters. You know, a lot of times those games are hard to balance because the GM uh, either is, can throw too much at you or too little at you, right? They're ineffectual. And so um, this one hits the, the mark right on the mark, right? Like just enough power and control to, to give the players a run for their money. Um, it's got that, uh, you see it in your games a lot where, you know, like a resource drops down a track and as it gets lower on the track, it's, it's cheaper to get. That's how the, the monsters are activated. But as soon as you activate a monster, it goes to the top of the track, and now you're not going to be able to act. Like, I can't throw the giant snake after you after you over and over again. It's too expensive to use over and over again. Um, and I think there are some ways to manipulate that track a little bit. But it's a, it's a really good game. I mean, I really enjoyed the, uh, the gameplay on it quite a bit. Um, what and a the other game... We just okay. mentioned that mechanic and magical athlete, and now here yeah. it is in Conan. What a coincidence. That's bizarre. I, and as I'm describing, I'm thinking, oh my my gosh, I just described the same thing over and over again. How how dumb am I? But that's that's you know how it goes. <laughs> um, the other game I played was uh, if we're gonna go you know sexist also or this is more like misogynist, I guess. I, I do played, it wrong, do it strong. <laughs> exactly. I played um, uh, what is it? Uh, games Workshops Gore Chosen. So in Gore Chosen, never heard of this. Gore Chosen is an arena combat game, and you are uh, followers of Corn. And if you know anything about the the uh, the Huge mythology, yeah, okay, yep. yeah, that's right. I, we had that conversation uh, off off mic one time, but um, yeah, so they're all followers of the Blood God, and so uh, you are not just fighting each other, but you are eviscerating each other. You know, you're really trying to to to. Uh, they like 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 Mortal Kombat tear their tear their spine out right, so um, the game is pretty interesting. It's a very tight arena game. You don't have a lot of space to maneuver, and um, you have these super powerful cards that deal that can dish out like enormous amounts of damage to each other. But um, um, it's it's a lot of more conditional, right? So. Like you're waiting for just the right time to play your cards, and on every card there are there's three categories. There's like a movement, and it might do something else in addition to moving. Uh, there's a, an attack in the middle part of the card, and then the bottom is kind of the special, right? So ideally, you're trying to trigger that that one special awesome move that's going to really you know nail your opponent, um, but but you're constantly ha- the whole thing's card driven, so you have to use those cards, and you you get this kind of, oh, do I really want to play this card yet? Or you know, I might still have an opportunity to to pull this out. No, no, I gotta you know, I gotta go ahead and or you just wailed on me. I have to play this card because it's got a block on it, you know, or whatever. So it's it's a pretty neat little game. I mean, it's very light. It's just you play the cards, you you roll dice. And and you dish out enormous amounts of damage on each other, so it's it's a fun little combat game. Wait, um, is, is this the game that people should be playing instead of waiting for us to design Super Slaughter Arena? Well, no, because <laughs> for one thing, the the character everybody uses the same deck of cards, 
And so while your character has like maybe two special powers on them, um, all a lot of the cards are are redundant. So you you're all doing the same kinds of attacks. Does that make sense? You yeah. have a slight you have a slightly different like um, combat zone, which like like what's what's your best range at or best best facing, um, which alters your your dice pool. And you have everybody has like one single special attack that that, that they can do. But it's it's everybody fighting at once, and you have one guy, right? So it really, literally, is a combat game. It's a combat to the death. the 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 way they do the health track on it is pretty neat too. Um, you have ten hit points, and every time you re- reduce below that ten hit points, your threshold goes down. So, like, if you inflict twelve hit points to me, I go back to the top. And now I, my threshold is eight, right? So you get weaker and weaker as you go go on. But as you get hit, you get angrier and angrier. And, the, and so you have like a, this little rage track. And as you get angrier, you get more cards so you can do more stuff. So it's a neat, it's a neat little trade-off. I'm getting more and more hurt, but I'm getting more and more deadly also as you hurt me. Love it. Yeah. Neat little game. So, anyways, that's what I've been playing. Gore Chosen and Conan. You can't get you can't get any more misogynistic than those two games. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, so, awesome. anyways, well, I think that uh, wraps up our episode. Like I said, if you have any questions or if you have any concepts about the game pitch earlier feel free to email please, us please, please. podcast yeah. at tuesdaynightgames.com otherwise uh steven where can they find you and your games uh you know what check out my facebook page and um my my games page it's steve avery games i just made a list of all the games i've got kind of in progress and what what's happening to them where they're at, you know, are they stalled out or are they, you know, where, what stage they're at. Oh, that's and cool. then I also, I also made a list of stuff that I'm currently shopping around. So, um, you know, if you're interested, if you know somebody that's, that wants to buy games there, you know, check me out. So, <laughs> <laughs> I got my, I got my trench coat. I hold it open. Prototypes. Yeah. It's prototypes. Hey, you I got this. <laughs> Got this game called Dick in a Box. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, where where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook or the tweets. I'm at Alan Gerding. That's spelled A L A N G E R Ding. Awesome. And uh, you, you can it. follow Tuesday Night Games on Twitter at PlayTKG. You can follow me on Twitter if you care to do so at Dragging a Lake. Otherwise, I think this episode is...